Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Great, Michael. How are you? Not too bad. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm doing double duties today since it's a holiday. It's Veterans Day when we record this. Um, That's right. Daycare is closed, so that means Thule's with me all day. So awesome. we uh, we 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 squeeze this recording in over nap time because <laughs> yeah. otherwise as soon as nap time is over i'm taking her down to the discovery museum and i'm gonna wear her out for three more hours awesome. so that's a good plan yeah i've got the same thing here we got all the kids are home and uh hopefully we'll have a quiet moment the uh the dogs are going a little nutty today but uh at I least we'll at least when you in. tell your kids to shut up they they understand what that means yeah. <laughs> yeah there's that they may not listen but they understand no. what it means right <laughs> Thule just looks at me and giggles when I say anything, so <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, get um, used to that. Yeah, exactly. So um, we were kind of brainstorming as usual. What what the heck do we talk about today? And um, I just I sort of said, well, how about starting with YouTube Red? Yeah, um, it's, it's and been a little bit now. It's been out for I don't know a week or two. Mm -hmm. um, now the interesting thing is you are using it. I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I want to challenge you. Try and convince me and anybody else who's in the same shoes as I am. Sure. Why I should be using YouTube Red because yeah. it, it hasn't hit me over the head yet why I need it. I yeah, need well, it as in paying. Yeah. What is it? It's 10 bucks a month. Well, if you're an iOS user, it's twelve ninety nine. And oh, not, that's right. Nine. I remember them saying they were raising the price because of the cut that iTunes takes. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, twelve ninety nine. Please, why why should I pay twelve ninety nine to watch videos that I can watch for free right now? Well, you know, I think that you know it may not be for you. It may be for you. I, I've I've been testing it out now for a couple of weeks, and what I like about it, you know, from the top is that. It's not just YouTube, of course. You get music streaming as well. So, so you get Google Play. That's right. Anything that's in the Google Play catalog, you get to stream that as yeah, well. Yeah, it's basically a subscription to Google Play. So and is is it is that the music app they were talking about? Well, how yeah, how, how mean, do you stream the Google Play music? How does this work? It's a separate. It's a separate experience. So. Um, I, when I originally heard that they were kind of moving to YouTube Red and it wasn't going to be, um, what were they calling it, Music Key for a while, Google Play, um, their music subscription service, right? So um, I thought it would all be baked in together and I was a little confused when I signed up for it and I went in and started kicking the tires that they're two basic uh, services that are separate. So you've got the YouTube side, you know, which is everything that it was advertised as. You know, it's high quality videos. It's uh, no ad free, ad commercial, yeah. no, no commercials, and that's really kind Off, of cool. offline viewing of videos. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet, but I understand that you you can do that. Um, I haven't had the need to do that. I mean, we're in such a connected world here, you know, with our. You know, our Android and iPhones and iPads and laptops, and there seems to be Wi-Fi almost everywhere. Um, and even if you're not, you can get it via cellular. I don't really see the need for me to down, download and cache and view videos later. That may be good for somebody else. Maybe you're in a you know, spotty Wi-Fi area, you know, whatever. But that wasn't really a big selling point for me. What I loved was the ad-free videos are pretty cool. It's kind of like when you go to uh, on-demand streaming of a TV show on Netflix, you know, and you can watch episode after episode, you know, and kind of, you know, binge watch, and you don't have to deal with commercials, and it's it's pretty cool because you can <laughs> blast through a lot of stuff. The ads on uh, YouTube, um, if they're 15 second ads, that doesn't really bother me too much. And some, some are very creative, man, you get those 30 second ones, especially since some of the things that I'm trying to watch are basically commercials. You know, when you watch a trailer right. or something informational, I don't want to watch a commercial before I watch a commercial. Right. <laughs> and so that's a little frustrating, but, 
I think that the YouTube service, I don't know how many people are going to pay, uh, you know, 10 or $12 a month to, you know, have ad free YouTube. And I think that's what makes, uh, the music service so compelling. Um, and we can talk about the music service, you know, in a moment, but I think bundled all together, I do think it's a compelling offer uh, because there is a lot on YouTube and people use YouTube as their cable subscription, you know, in some ways. And I know my daughters use it as their primary music streaming service. You know, that's the dirty little secret that you and I talk about all the time is that there's Spotify and Slacker and Pandora and RDO and all these great services but uh, the younger set are using YouTube as their primary, right. Right. their primary source. So, yeah, it's. I love the video side of it. I, I, you know, you notice right away when you're not, you're not getting the ads. Um, uh, I would love to dig into the financials a little bit more and find out. Um, you know, like PewDiePie, the guy who you know he has all the videos of himself kind of critiquing and playing video games and he's like the you know the rock star of the YouTube world and he makes you know what is it 12 million dollars a year off of uh, endorsements and ads and uh, you know of course he's the anomaly but he came out in favor of the YouTube red model so I'd like to kind of you know in the future as we move forward I'd like to understand the financials a little bit more you yeah know? It, it would be real you know and I, I think it's going to take a little um little time for this rollout to happen before people really understand it but you know a lot of people make some income because of the ads that are thrown yeah. up you know listen we, we've all heard the the rare story of somebody who shoots that super funny video of their baby puts it online and you know a week later it's got 10 million views and yeah. the ad revenue just paid for that kid's college in 20 mm -hmm. years it can um, happen it can happen so if people are not getting ads, what does that person make as a as a chunk off of that ten that nine ninety nine twelve ninety nine subscription? You know, now right. all of a sudden, does this become the the same argument people have against music streaming services? Is um, yeah. all of a sudden my cut went from pretty good to minuscule? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to be fair, a lot of these people that you read about that make millions of dollars it's not from youtube ads it's for this ancillary income that you see with endorsements and people hiring them you know um to do speaking engagements and to appear in commercials and all sorts of other things that's where the real money is you know from this and i can tell you from a couple of clients that i have i monitor their youtube you know uh, uh financials every month and you you know you make decent money it's it's definitely worthwhile to make sure that you're you know verified and registered and you've got all your uh videos on a youtube channel and you make playlists and all those things that you know we've talked about um so i i certainly wouldn't uh encourage anybody not to do that but you know i think we'd both agree that some of these stories these people like the pewdiepies of the world they're you know they're an anomaly. That's like the the difference between you know the Michael Jacksons, Madonna. Oh yeah, the yeah. Bowl, oh yeah, know. yeah. But but that that is just that symptom in that rare case obviously applies all the way down to the smallest person. So you you really want to get a good understanding. And and initially when this was being first talked about, there was there were articles of. Um, some of these big YouTube channels were being told either you join us mm -hmm. or we shut you down. Yeah. You you play with us or you don't play at all. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, you you sort of look at that and go, well, geez, what what choice do I have? A gun to my head is basically yeah. what you're doing. Now, I don't I don't know how all that has played out and, and quite honestly, it's been pretty quiet since YouTube Red went live. There, yeah, hasn't, really has. there hasn't been anything good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's sort of been like... I'd say that's fair. You know, sort of like, geez, didn't they launch something? I forgot all about it. There's nobody saying yeah. how great it is, and there's nobody saying how bad it is. Right, right. I think we're in that trial period. I think what's going to happen is just with Spotify and Apple Music, you're going to see 
that they're going to make improvements uh, to compete. And, you know, they're not really doing any marketing. You know, we're not seeing any huge ad campaigns. You know, to your point, it is fairly quiet. Um, you know, um, I, I think you will see that's kind of the MO of these streaming services as they launch. They look at the data, you know, after 30, 60, 90 days, they kind of look and see what's working, what's not. And then they start tweaking. And then with Spotify, they, they have grown so much in the last year. And I don't know if that's just because of Apple Music coming on board, but they've made some really great improvements uh, across the board. And I think competition's good. I'm glad that Apple, or I'm sorry, that YouTube Red is launching with the music side. Um, you know, some folks don't think we need another streaming service. I tend to think that, you know, the more of those we have, the better the competition, the more they work hard, you know, to increase, you know, uh, how easy it is to use and the different services and the curation and all those great things. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree. I'm all for all of, all of them coming out because it's going to cause other services to change and improve. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my consumer attitude is show me what the value is. What do I get for paying, in my case, twelve ninety nine a month? Why is that right. worth it versus what I'm already doing now, right. which is nothing on YouTube and hey I'm paying Apple yeah. Music and Spotify right now so it may not be for you then I mean if you I think it's really more for you know it's just like Apple Music is really going after people who aren't currently streaming um, people think that they're in direct competition with Spotify and in some ways they are but I think their their uh, business plan is really more about going after all of those people and there's millions of them who aren't on a streaming right. service right now. And I think with YouTube Red, especially with the, the music service baked in, I don't think they're going after you, Michael. I think they're going after someone who's, you know, maybe not streaming music right now and is maybe on the fence about it. Um, and they're thinking, well, you know, what's a good way to differentiate our service from these other services? Heck, they've got this huge, you know, behemoth YouTube that pretty much everybody uses to some degree. Um, and if you can make that ad free and basically some people see it as, you know, Google play comes free with YouTube red. I see it the opposite way that here's this Google play music service and you get ad free videos along with it. As so, so there, there is no way to purchase a la carte. You can't just get a music service or you just can't get YouTube. You're, you're purchasing one, one monthly package is getting you both services, but as you said, they're they're not tied to each other. They're physically yeah. different yeah. worlds, environments, yeah. applications. That's right. That's right. I mean, you could get Google Play up until they launched, you know, YouTube Red. It was a separate service. Um, it has been improved, and you know, and if we can take a moment, you know, to kind of talk about Google Play, you know, they've they've definitely had their setbacks and their delays you know as they've tried to launch a music service and it's it sounds easy in theory but it's there's a lot of moving parts to launching a music service and what i noticed right off the bat when i dug in is the interface when you when you first go there to look for some playlists to listen to it's not as beautiful as spotify with the images and but it's kind of the same layout. They've got the squares, and here's jazz, and here's rock, and so on. But I noticed for kind of a new music service, they did a great job of putting together a lot of different subgenres, and they put them in what they call stations, kind of like a Pandora-type thing. And so I went and looked at jazz, and I think they had more jazz playlists than Spotify did. And there were all these great little subgenres because jazz isn't just jazz. It's just like rock. You, you can't paint everything with a big stroke like that, right? So there's, you know, there's smooth jazz and there's traditional jazz, you know, and there's big band jazz. And these are entirely different sounds. And folks who are into traditional jazz don't typically like smooth jazz, you know, the, you know that kind of pop jazz. So as I did, dug in there a little bit, I found that they've, they've really done a good job of setting this thing up to have a lot of different subgenres and a lot of different 
stations to listen to. Um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, information about it, tutorials or, and you know, Apple's pretty famous for that too, right? Launching products that are intuitive, so they don't really need a lot of instruction manuals, so to right. speak. But they did with Apple Music. Remember that like a month after Apple Music launched, they started posting these videos of, well, right. this is how you do this. And I think that, you know, with Google Play Music, you might see some of the same things happen because there's a lot of great bells and whistles there that you don't really see, you know, on the first pass. And as you were saying that, it what was coming to my mind is two things. One, Google is not known for great marketing. They're, they're a company that's known for just build the product, put the product out there, and sort of just let the product and the people do what they want with it. They don't really yeah. go out there and market it. Actually, you know, sort of three things come to mind. Two is they're great at building products and getting them about 70% completed and then never finishing them. How long was Gmail in as a beta? You know, I don't know. They, they do run beta forever. <laughs> they run betas forever on everything. Yeah. Um, and three, their their user experiences and user interfaces are not the best, other than the search engine, which is one box, a blank screen. Um, and and part of me says, well, that was just by default because when they first started years and years ago, that's all they did, and they realized they kind of hit the magic button with that and never changed it but you know I, I i think back to my experience of using google hangouts a couple years ago mm-hmm. it was I, I remember i wrote an article it took like 25 steps to launch a google hangout do this do that remember to do this if you do this wrong you screw it all up and they they're not known for they're not known for the Apple experience when it comes to a UI, yeah. where, where Apple can get away with not giving you a manual because usually it just works and you it's so intuitive. Right. G, Google is sort of the other way. You look at it and go, I'm not quite sure what that means. What do I do yeah. here? How do I? Oh, you mean there all of it's hidden under this menu? And, yeah. and nothing yeah. direct, you know. So to me, that's what sort of worries me about the 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 Google Play streaming experiences. If if I'm paying, I don't want a seventy percent done app. I don't want something that's still in beta. I don't want a half-assed user experience. You're now taking my. If it's free, you can do whatever you want. I got no right to complain because it's free. But the second you're taking money from me every month, it better be a professional, top of the line everything working makes sense type of application. Yeah. And it's just not Google. Yeah. yeah. I think they do a couple of things uh, extremely well. Um, I think that I love the fact that that company does so many different things. You know, a lot of things that people may not even be aware of. But one of the products that I use a lot and I think that they, they got right away and they did apply that simplicity was Google Docs. You know, they, they beat Microsoft Office to the punch, and my teams have been using Google Docs forever, and they're so simple, and they don't... What Microsoft missed, I think, is they, they kept, with each version, trying to load up new things that it could do, new capabilities, and it just was so, you know, just, just overwhelmingly heavy with all of these things, and just to find the certain small things that you do every day became more difficult. Then along comes Google Docs, you know, which it looked like PowerPoint, Excel, Word, um, and they just worked and they were simple. Um, so I know they, look, there's a lot of smart people that work there. I think that Google Play as a music service, if I was to say there was any weaknesses, I would say they're not in the actual infrastructure. It's really more in the aesthetics. You know, I think that Spotify started out that way too. I thought they were kind of ugly when they first launched. It was just so simple and so basic with these little squares and, you know, it didn't give you a feel for what the music is. Um, and now they've, they're much better. 
you know, um, they keep improving and you get a sense when you look at their imagery uh, of what the sound is without actually reading the words and those sorts of things. And, but, you know, and, and you're a hundred percent right. Cause you know, Spotify was not sexy when it first started and it's taken years to get there, but I have, I, and maybe this is completely unfair, but I have greater expectations for Google because of the fact they have so many smart people there and they have, I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just guessing the entire size of Spotify is probably one department in Google, you know, <laughs> and, how, and how many departments does Google have? So, I mean, Google has the talent, the resources, the pocketbooks, everything to do it right. Yeah. And to not do it right is, is no excuse. You know, that, yeah. that, that's what, that's what really turned me off when I, I actually met with them about, Google Hangouts. One of their product managers called me and said, we'd like to talk to you about how to get musicians to start using Google Hangouts more. And I went down to their San Francisco office and met with him for, I don't know, about two hours. And he said, you know, I want you to be brutally honest with me. And I said, all right, because I'm going to be. And um, he's like, this is all great. I appreciate everything you've told me. And I rattled off all of these wishes and desires and problems and never heard anything again mainly because what i found out was two weeks later this product manager was transferred to a different product in mm. google and guess what everything that he absorbed from me probably was lost ended with him ended with him and the new yeah. person had a new agenda and didn't care about it and that you know, I, I, I joked with him as I was leaving. I said, so listen, you know, here's the thing. I know if Google really cared about what I just downloaded onto you, you could have a development team work on this over the next three days. And by Monday, you could have everything fixed and launched. Yeah. It's completely feasible in the Google world. But that's not going to happen, is it? He's like, no, because I got to make my presentation to this department head who then has to battle with this vice president who has to then take. I'm like, yeah, basically yeah. what that means is corporate corporate chains. Let's fight for the next six months. Nobody wants to be on the hook for this and it will die. It, you know, as 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 we used to joke at a company I worked for, somebody will put a bullet in the puppy's head to put it out of its misery because it's it's so cute everybody loves it but it's just not going anywhere and yeah. let's just get rid of it because it's it's a nuisance and yeah but yeah you're absolutely right though i mean they if they wanted to they certainly have the brain power and the resources but it reminds me a little bit of apple you know they've got the brain power and the resources and yet you know no one's perfect you know we remember ping you know they're definitely having some identity crisis issues with connect um you know so but, but you know but you know i mean going back to apple and you you and i have been in the apple world since day one there was a time clearly before the resurgence with steve jobs second coming where apple tried to invent everything in-house and then all of a sudden and i think it really was made visible with the launch of itunes apple said we're going to go out and buy this company that's doing it better and doing it right. We're going to take that software and we're going to tweak it the way we want. Yeah. But they've done it. They've invented it. They've made it work. And since then, Apple's not a – I mean, listen, you, people might sit here and go, Siri sucks or Siri's great. But Siri was not invented by Apple. No. Siri was bought. Model. I mean, Microsoft, when it came to all of their, like, Excel, you know, PowerPoint, Word – they didn't invent those programs. You know, it was, I think it was Lotus Notes or Lotus 123 or whoever it was prior. They would go out and buy other people's technology as well. And I think that's smart. You buy something, it's kind of like, you know, with uh, Beats Music, you know, or with Tidal. You know, Tidal wasn't, you know, built by Jay Z. He right. bought somebody else who already had, you know, done the heavy lifting for him. And I think that's a smart thing, and I think you make a valid point. You're right. Back in the day, if it wasn't invented in Cupertino, didn't it exist. didn't matter. It didn't exist. And Apple's mindset was that that's not there. There is no solution. If we can't invent the solution, there is no solution. And you know best. and and there used to be. Listen, I mean, Apple fans and developers would go nuts. It's like you guys in 
the, what you wrote sucks. You know, mm-hmm. this third-party piece of shareware is a million times better. And they're like, blinders, blinders, blinders. You know, and, and I just feel like, um, you know, Google has the resources to do that. But a lot of it seems to be we're going to, you know, we're developing it in-house. We're building it. I mean, why didn't Google just go buy Spotify? Yeah, and they probably or could. RDO. Or yeah. somebody like that and roll it in and go, all right, listen, you've got years ahead of us when it comes to doing this. Let's let's take Google's expertise and our technologies that we know. We'll put it in to- on top of what we just purchased, but here we go. Boom, yeah. we're, we're up and running. Rather than trying to build it again from scratch because, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's what's the value? What is the value of Google Play streaming over everybody else's streaming service? Mm-hmm. And if you're not communicating that value, which I don't think they are, because I don't hear any discussion about Google streaming. It's all about YouTube Red and the videos and the ad-free videos. There's no there. I remember when it launched, there was a mention of, well, we're going to have a separate music service. That was it. Everybody was like, oh, I wonder what yeah. that's going to be about. What that? What's that like? Um, nobody's talking about that now. And and as you said, I kind of agree that the value is, or the pitch should be, a streaming music service that, oh, by the way, you get the entire YouTube world ad-free. Yeah. Holy Maybe crap. Now, now I'm comparing Spotify to Google or, or Google to Apple Music. Catalog to catalog, streaming to streaming, it's pretty much the same. We've talked about this before when we compared Apple to Spotify. Not a lot of difference. There's just not a lot of difference. Big difference, you get YouTube ad-free if you go with the Google. You know what? That's huge when you think about it. Yeah. Rather than trying to sell, just selling an ad-free YouTube experience that, by the way, you get a music service with it, I'm sort of like, dude, that's... You know, because where I'm coming from, and again, I'm not like your daughters, but I use YouTube a lot. Sure. And, yeah, the ads, you know, how would I describe this? It's become something I've just learned to accept. It's like a TV commercial when you're watching TV. You just know it's going to happen, so what do you do? Well, that's when you go get your popcorn. That's when you go take a leak. That's when you go get something to drink because you come back. You build it in. Um, I've come to learn that, hey, there's going to be an ad. It's either going to be a pre-roll ad or there's going to be an overlay ad. Pre-roll ad, nine times out of ten, it's skip this ad in five, four, three, two, skip. I'm all, you know, my cursor's hanging over it. Ready to skip. (laughs) Five seconds yeah. done, not a big deal. Or if it's the if it's the overlay graphic ad, you just immediately click the close box and it's gone. That has been, I've been conditioned after years and years and years of YouTube. Do you ever watch? I mean, is, is it like the Super Bowl? I mean, do you ever get drawn in and there's something that's actually so compelling? No? No. But as, as you were talking, and, and actually I might say, going back to my original question, you may have convinced me to go with YouTube for this reason. So my two-year-old uses YouTube extensively. She loves YouTube. She knows how to, f- you know, other than search, right. she knows how to click, find new videos and Give everything her another else. another six months. Um, but what annoys the hell out of her, and I have roll my eyes going, I don't get why this happens, is... She'll watch some children's video, and there's a 30-second Cadillac commercial pre-roll in front of it. She has no patience for that. If, if, If there's a commercial, she's gone and off to the next video. I can subscribe now and get rid of all of those videos, and now she can watch everything without interruption. Yeah. That... It's as actually a, as, quite as, compelling. As a, as, a, as a parent, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's worth 12, 12 bucks a month for my sanity to know that I don't have to listen to her scream because she's mad that there's this commercial. How do I get, you know, I can just let her go. Never have a commercial right. interrupt her again. Yeah. That's worth it to me right 
there. That's yeah. simple And don't fact. you think that a lot of people now are using YouTube, whether it's with a, a Chromecast or a Roku or an Apple TV or, you know, AirPlay, you know, they're putting that on their TV screen a lot of times, whether it's from their iPad, their, you know, handheld device, whatever. And it's becoming, you know, as there's more and more cord cutters, you know, I, I think it's a part of, especially younger people, it, it's a part of how they consume uh, content. And I hate saying it like that, but you know what I mean? When they have a television pretty much anywhere, they can basically take those YouTube videos and pop it up on the television and share it with a larger group and so on. And when you have a more, you know, a higher quality video, I think that's compelling. Certainly the ads, you don't want to sit there with a bunch of friends and sit through, you know, some ridiculous ad when you're trying to watch some, some video that's probably short. And then the other thing that I, I find interesting is there, there's some parallels with Amazon in the sense that people would ask me when, when I dealt with uh, Amazon, you know, why isn't their music store, you know, why is that experience why isn't it better? You know, because if you use the music service at Amazon on, let's say, a Kindle, it's beautiful. It's got a black background. It's got, you know, it's a whole different um, user interface. But on the website, it looks like every other vertical, like denim, diapers, yep. dog yep. food. And because of that, there, it's a little wonky in places. You have, if you search a certain way, you might not find it, you know, things like that. Um, and the criticism was, you know, why don't you make music separate, make it a whole separate experience like you do on the portable device or on your app uh, on portable devices. And uh, a gentleman told me one time, you know, yeah, this makes perfect sense for you being, you know, working for a record company, but not for me working for Amazon, because you've got to realize that, you know, music is a rounding error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it helps bring people in to subscribe to Amazon Prime, which is a big priority with a company. It helps people bring bring people in on Tuesdays, now Fridays, you know, for that new music that keeps you, the and, traffic. And you upsell them something else. That's it's right. it, you know, it's exactly it's, right. it's what we're all used to in the physical world of Targets and Walmarts and Best Buys. It's like yeah, they have a really small C D section and you might complain that it is so small, but mm -hmm. that's not their business is not to sell music. If you come in to buy a CD at any of those stores or a DVD, odds are really good that by the time you get from the CD section, which is in the back of the store, by the way, for mm -hmm. a reason, because you got to yeah. walk through everything to get to it and then walk through everything to get to checkout, you're probably going to walk by something and go, oh, I need a new headphone. Oh, mm -hmm. I need a new case for my cell phone. Oh, I need a new laptop. That's and you right. walk, you walk out, out and you walk you walk out with more than just the CD. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. It's the same with Amazon. And you know, when I look at Google, I think the same thing. You know, I applaud them for the music service. Is it perfect yet? No. But for for a beginner, for coming out, you know, yeah, they've been they've had the music service for a while and they've been, you know, had different iterations. But I'm pretty impressed with what they have under the hood. It's just the paint job is pretty crappy right now. But you have to realize that that's not their core business either. Just like Amazon music isn't, just like Target, Best Buy, Walmart, music provides them with some traffic a lot more, you know, in previous years than now. Provides them with data. I mean, cuz that's what and that's what Google's business is, is data. It's, it's, it, it's data that can sell advertising to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, no different than Facebook. Facebook, it just, it, it's more apparent to everybody because you're on Facebook and you see all these very well-targeted ads, but Google is the same way. Way before social media, Google AdWords was just that. Oh, you're going to this website on this topic? Well, we can put an ad up there about that topic. And the more Google learns about you, the consumer, through using their services, mm -hmm. the more they can target you with ads. Absolutely. And that's, that's super it. valuable. That, that's their, mm -hmm. That is Google's business at the end of the day is to sell advertising 
and advertising is based on data they have on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they've got, because of Gmail and because of Google the search and because of Google Play and you know Google Docs and all of these different verticals, they've got a ton of data on you. And I'm not one of those people who thinks that's a bad thing. I actually love it when I go somewhere and there's an ad that's targeted towards me. Um, I don't have any problem with that. And the data that I share, I know some people like to surf incognito. They, they like to keep, you know, you know, use different email accounts with false names and, you know, all of that. And that's fine. But for me, I like to see how good they can get. And I use, you know, in business, I use Google AdWords every day. Um, they're inexpensive and effective in most cases. You know, um, you know, there's that old joke in advertising, you know, half my advertising doesn't work. I just don't know which half, you know, because you can buy a billboard and do the math. Well, there's 5,000 people that drive by this every day with 2.1 people in the car. And, you know, you can do all of that thing and you can do print and you can do radio and all of them are effective, you know, with their strengths. But what I love about the whole online thing with Google and grabbing all that information is now I can get that information. I can look at Google Analytics, you know, and take a look at how my website's doing and, you know, how it's performing and, you know, look at everything from the demographics of, you know, who's reacting to when and how. And it helps me kind of fine-tune my advertising plan. And you, that's, that's valuable. You can't really do that, you know, when you're doing a TV commercial. Right, right, exactly. I mean, as, as I try to explain online advertising to clients, it's, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads allow us to put the ad in, give us the best chance out there, online, offline, of putting that ad in front of somebody who actually cares about that ad. Yeah, that's surgical. That, 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 at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You don't want to put an ad for your heavy metal band on a freeway billboard knowing that, only one out of half a million cars is a heavy metal fan. Yeah. Great, great. A half a million eyeballs saw it, but that doesn't matter because only one of those eyeballs even cares about heavy metal. Now, well, I you, can, you know they put that billboard up because it was by Doc McGee's house. Exactly. Anyway, you know? It was just to make Gene Simmons happy. <laughs> so you can say, that's me up there. Um, but now, now I can put that ad and sit and say, listen, I only want people who like heavy metal now how do they know i mean we this could become a whole separate episode but basically well, the fact the fact that that you played heavy metal in the google play store mm-hmm. the you fact may have searched for the it. fact that you searched for heavy metal you visited a heavy metal website or on facebook you liked judas priest you liked the ozzy osbourne page mm-hmm. all of that says you're a person who likes heavy metal and therefore I can put my ad in front of you, and it makes more sense to me now. Yeah, and you're not offended by that ad. If you get a, an ad when you uh, go online that says, hey, there's a new Accept album coming out, that doesn't offend you even if you bought the album or even if you're not a fan. But because you're a fan of that genre, it'd be more offensive if there was some you know, Britney Spears ad or right. something that pops up. I'm all for that. I'm not one of those paranoid people that worry about you know, sharing too much information. I think information is power. The problem is these days there's so much information. It's whittling through that to find what metrics really matter. Right. And, 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 and at the end of the day, that's up to the services that are providing that information to give you the user interface and the experience to make it worth your while. And, you know, and I'm going to go back to, you know, just my general feeling and I've heard this from many people. Google is not an expert at that. Google's an expert at gathering data and slicing and dicing data and selling you data. But Google is not an expert at a beautiful, easy-to-use user interface online experience. They, they have these amazing products. And I'm with you. I love the suite of products that Google uses. And I love the fact that for the most part, they're all integrated and tied together nicely, and they support each other. But it's a bunch of products that are 50% developed and will never, never reach 100%. And that frustrates the hell out of me as a user because I come to rely on them so much, and it's like, dude, just finish this. Why, why can't you finish this, this program? Why have you left it? halfway completed for the last yeah. 10 years 
Yeah, I think some of their, you know, especially the the Google Docs thing, I think are, you know, pretty fully baked. But I, I get your point, and and you're absolutely right. I remember so many of their products say beta for like over a year, <laughs> sometimes two years. You know, how long did Gmail say well, beta? I was going to say. I mean, I think that's the running joke. It was like. 10 years later, Gmail finally came out of beta. And people, I remember articles, people were like, <laughs> Gmail's out of beta. We've been, it, it, it's, it, was it's, it was never going away. It's been here for 10 years. It's just like, yeah, you're just like, yeah. are you kidding? I mean, come on, just yeah. finish the product. You have the money, you have the resources. There is zero excuse for Google. I can understand a small startup that is lean, mean, has a small staff, is is living and breathing by every dollar that they get from a VC that can't go out here and dedicate a department to just integrating this cool feature set. But there's no excuse for Google. None. I'm sorry. You know, do it right. And, and, and I'll repeat it again. If you're going to make me pay for it, it damn well better be Fair great. Enough. I would only give them a little bit of kudos for some things that don't necessarily work. You know, maybe it's Google Glass or, you know, we'll see how these self-driving cars go. But damn it, I, I love the fact that they're doing those kinds of things. And, you know, they're, are they going to strike a home run, you know, every time? Probably not. And your point's well taken about, you know, finishing what you started in, in a timely fashion. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I'm so thrilled that there is, you know, uh, a company called Google and that they're doing the things they're doing. And I'm cheering in the background. I, I sincerely hope that Google Play, if that's what it's going to be called as part of YouTube Red, you know, I want it to succeed. But here's the thing, and I'd love to get your thought on this. Now that we have Google Play and Apple Music and Spotify and Slacker, and I could go on and on and on, we have all these great music services, Pandora. I wonder if we're going to get to a point where, in order to differentiate, maybe one of these, you know, you had mentioned hard rock, maybe one of these services that isn't really competing and doesn't have as many followers, maybe they focus their attention on being the streaming service for hard rock or jazz or whatever I, I, the genre I, I do is. think something like that's going to happen. I mean, you know... Um the, I mean, the, mu the music industry pundit Bob Lefsitz says, you know, I love following what he has to say. Don't agree with everything, but a lot of it is causes you to think. You know, he said repeatedly, especially when it comes to the Internet, you only need one, meaning you only need one Amazon.com. You don't need six different Amazon.coms to choose from. Where am I going to go to buy my books? My There's only one. There might be six competing but at the end of the day, you only need one. And and I think what's going to happen in the music streaming services, at the end of the day, we don't need six different streaming companies. We only need one, especially when the core business, the music catalog, is almost identical between all of them. And it will be. And at it some will point. be. So why do I need six different ones? And and and. If the only differentiating factor between some of them are, well, this one's got a little bit better playlists, and this one's this one's prettier, prettier. This one's got you know a little bit higher quality music. That's not enough reason to have six different. How are the how is it going to settle out? Will there be? Will some of them go out of business? Will they merge? You know, sure. will eventually will Google buy somebody, and then will Apple buy somebody, and then you end up with. You know, will you end up with Amazon, Apple, and Google? I mean, yeah, and, and maybe, and frankly, that's sort of how I envision it happening. It could, it could definitely go that way. I also think that it could be that at some point, some of these smaller ones, you know, are purchased by, you know, uh, you know, a cellular company, and and you get, you know, this music service because you're a subscriber to Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, you know, whatever. But, but couldn't you imagine it sort of playing out the way record industries, the, the music industries played out? You've got the major oh, yeah. labels. You've got yeah, There used to be six. Now you, there's three. You, you've got major labels. You've got Warner Brothers. You've got 
you know, Columbia, you got whoever, whoever you, whatever year era you were, you had these major labels. Mm-hmm. Streaming services, you have basically three majors, Apple, Amazon, and Google. I'm not, I'm not saying Spotify is a major because they're still, they're, they're a big indie surviving on their own, but um, they're not at the same level. And, and people might say Amazon doesn't belong there, but I'm sorry, Amazon does. Amazon's got a huge catalog and Amazon's a huge company. Don't you imagine at some point in time they're going to buy the indies up? Where, remember in the 80s, BMG was picking up everybody, every little label to become the boutique label that they distributed. But they owned them, but they still kept it indies. So, you know, could 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 Apple purchase Spotify and keep Spotify focused at some specialty core that their niche they're great at? And and Google purchases Deezer and and Amazon purchases RDO and you know all of a sudden they become distributed labels under the bigger company that just focus on their special niche. Interesting. I mean, I, I see them right now doing what we've seen a million times. They're trying to do that old Apple, you know, I'm creating it in my backyard. You know, Amazon's creating their own music service, right? Um, of course, Spotify is the big beast and they've got the most um, paid subscribers and free subscribers and they're this monster. But I think you're right to the extent that in the future, there isn't going to be 12, you know, there's not going to be Deezer, you know, RDO, all of these different places, unless they can differentiate themselves. Um, Significantly differentiate themselves. Yeah, and I don't think it's just quality because Tidal has some high quality. HD Tracks has great quality. Um, And we can save this for another show. Um, I I was on this panel um, about quality, and frankly, I don't think people care. And we'll just kind of leave it at that. totally agree. Don't think but, people care. But about some quality. people like to use that as a differentiator. I tend to think that it has to be something more profound and more simple that you, you don't have to explain, that you just know that Spotify is better than this other service and this is why. But I, I do think that you're onto something. I do think that there is going to be some consolidation. There's going to have to be. Um, there's just so many of these players, and to your point, uh, you know, do you need more than one? You and I may subscribe to multiple services because of our job, but we're an anomaly. The, Most the, people the average music consumer do does not need more than one because at the end of the day, they're going to go, well, wait a second, I can get the same Britney Spears album on every service. Why do I have to pay for four different ones? I'll just pick one. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you hear about, say, the new Adele might not be on Spotify when they launch. Um, and we've all, we've all heard about these other you know Taylor Swifts of the world who may sign an exclusive with one service or it's uh, a window of exclusivity with one service. Do you think that's enough to drive people, you know, to it, one from another? It can be if it becomes a big enough part of their business, meaning. The one-offs, Apple does the one-off, oh, you can get the new U2 album here, or you can get the new Adele single here. Every six months, one of these new big ones, that's not, a, that's not enough. That's a marketing tactic in my mind. But temporary? If, temporary. But if, like if, if Deezer got the Beatles tomorrow and but, nobody but else had if, it. If, if any of these big three, Amazon, Apple, Google, said, you know what? We're actually going to become a record label. Why not be a record label? We've got more money than record labels. We have the distribution that record labels use our distribution to get their music out there. Now that gives us a differentiating factor. What if all of a sudden Apple became, you know, the Apple records of yore and Mm -hmm. signed and developed not just one act, but rosters of bands. And the only place you can get them is their music service. Now that becomes enough of a reason to consider them because now it's not just a one-off act. It's, geez, they're, they're releasing 12 bands a month yeah. that I, I can't get anywhere you, else. At some point, this is going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Apple Music, Spotify. I don't know who it's going to be, but um, they're friends of mine in the business. We've talked about this for a while. It just makes sense. 
that at some point one of these services is they're going to start going well, after the talent. Listen, when when Apple released and gave away the U2 album, to me that's what I saw more than anything. Too. Nobody else was picking up on it, but I was just like, they just became a record label. Nobody's noticing this, but Apple is now a record label. What do you mean? Because what does a record label do? They sign an act, they license a release, yeah. they put they it out through their it. channel, mm -hmm. the artist makes money. That's exactly what Apple did with that U2 album. They signed U2, for, I don't know the deal, I'm guessing, for a one-album deal. We're, pay, we're buying that one album, it's coming out through us, it can't go anywhere. Dude, that's a record label. You now, whether Ken they give it away or sell it doesn't matter because... Mm -hmm. That's Apple's business model. Their business model was we're giving it away because you're going to want to come use Apple and we're going to we're going to upsell you. You're going to join us and you're going to buy more music because we gave you this one album for free. So therefore it's a lost leader for us. You yeah. two yeah. doesn't give a crap because guess what? They they got their advance like they would have gotten from Universal or any other record label. They got it from Apple this time. Mm -hmm. There's no reason Apple couldn't take that same model and go, we're going to do that to Ozzy Osbourne. We're going to do that for Kiss. We're going to do that for some unknown band. New developing. That, that, that our, our in-house A&R team says, these guys are great. Let's sign them right. for $100,000 and let's develop them over the next three years. Well, you know what? Five years ago, I would have disagreed with you, Michael. Um, but things have changed. Not every label but some labels are starting to outsource more and more. They'll outsource their radio promotion. They'll outsource their publicity. You know, they're outsourcing so much. We'll, All they are is, is a one-room office with a name on the door that picks up well, the know, phone like, to call somebody. Well, like Steve Gordon said when he was on the show, you know, a lot of what labels are becoming, not all, but, you know, some labels are becoming more of a finance, you know, situation yep. where it's, it's kind of hedging your bets. And, Yes, if you get a good label, you know, you swing big, you're going to hit big. They've got, you know, worldwide distribution. They've got relationships, you know, in all sorts of areas, you know, like touring and sync licensing. And there, there are some really great things that a label can do for you. But I've seen it with some of the labels that I work with that they're contracting. They're letting people go. And, you know, the people left behind are doing the jobs of three, four people. And they're working, you know, dozens of titles. And they start outsourcing things and paying, you know, independent contractors to do some of those things like marketing, label services, you know, licensing, sync, you know, all of those things. And I could definitely see one of those companies, as you mentioned, step in and go, you know, we can hire a publicist, right? We can hire a merch company. We can, you know, hire somebody to get placement in TV, film, commercials. Um, maybe at some point they bring those people in-house. I'm a firm believer that management is also making that exact same play. The smarter managers of the world, you know, the Doc McGee's, yep. the HK's, they're, they're the building, They're building their basically their own little record labels. Yeah, they're, they're providing all those functions. And the ones that they don't have core competencies, they, they go outsource just like a label would. I mean, there, listen, there's no reason that one of the big three digital providers who, we again, we all know all major record labels digitally get their products distributed through them. Those are the three that matter when it comes to getting their digital product out there. Amazon, Apple, Google Play. But Amazon and Apple are it. I mean, that, that, that's the digital distribution. There's no reason... You're talking about for download. For downloads. But there's yeah. no reason that if, if Apple, just as the example said, we're going to become a record label, couldn't call up and strike a reverse deal with Universal saying, all right, you're going to be our physical distribution arm. <laughs> We're signing you too, but we need physical products still because there's still enough physical product worldwide that sells. You can't just ignore it. There is, but there's so few players, and that really actually proves your point. But that that's the, the whole point. There's side, so, there's so right? few players, but the those majors are where people go for that physical distribution. So Apple says, Universal, I want you to distribute Apple.com Apple records. P&D deal. 
and d deal. Just like just like you and I could start our own little record label, call up and meet with anybody from Universal to Sony Red to whoever, say, yeah. I want you to distribute us. Because those types of deals happen all the time. Yeah. But Apple's going to come to the table and say, well, we've got a, such a deep wallet that you know we're going to promote the hell out of this. We're going to market this. All we need you to do is press the product and distribute the product. Oh, and by the way, you can now say U2's on your roster. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, that that whole thing flipped around. Yeah. And and sorry, but Apple's got deeper pockets than every record label out there. Yeah. I mean, Apple's got retail chains. Gee, all of a sudden, they could put that product in every Apple store. I mean, that's and, just... and you know, the the dirty little secret is, is that physical goods are going to be around a while, and they are declining, but not as fast as downloads. We've talked about this. the The decline of the digital download is frightening because those customers are moving to streaming more quickly, and the folks that are buying physical. Yeah, they sell less physical, but not nearly as as uh, as much of a decline as you see on the digital side. So, it's definitely an interesting scenario to uh, to ponder. Yeah, I mean, there's just the the music industry is still got a lot of shakeup ahead of it here. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and again, you've got to follow the money. Where the big money is is where things are going to start. Absolutely. I used Central. to work with um, with Henry Droz, who worked at Warner Music Group for many, many years, and he's like the architect of modern music distribution. And I got to work with him at Universal for a short time, and he had a great saying that he he would say, um, he'd say, Jay, it's it's not about the money, it's about the money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Meaning that everybody says, yeah, it's not about the money. It's always like oh. to your point, follow the money. Follow the money. You follow the money. Who's got the Who's got the money and the influence in this day and age? Who are the true rock stars and rock star companies? In the 60s and 70s, that was Warner Brothers. That was Elektra. That was Atlantic. That was all of the presidents of those labels. Today, it's none of those labels. Who are the true rock stars? Apple. Google. Who If somebody said... You have an opportunity to do a meet and greet with Tim Cook from Apple or the guy who's the president of Warner Brothers this week. Who is the average person on the street going to go, I want to meet? Yeah, Tim Cook. Even, Sorry, there's no yeah. question. Now, you that would have been completely different in the 60s, 70s, even the 80s mm-hmm. because the rock yeah. stars were the music industry. The music yeah. industry is not the rock star anymore. Even the it's- '90s, I mean, in the CD era, it was a license to print money, and we had the you know all those great music executives, you know, that we grew up with, you know, the Ahmed Erdogan's, the the Doug Morris's, you know, the all those different people were they were the rock stars. And you're right, it's it's definitely flipped. It's a new business. Um, it's just fun to watch it. Wait, unfold. wait, wait, wait until Google buys Universal. <laughs> Uh, people laugh but listen strange things can happen out there and again as we said it's all about the money and who's got the deepest pocketbooks out there right now who is making money who's printing money these tech companies are printing money faster than you can imagine and and if it saves a a major record label, or if it puts more money into the stockholders' wallets because they get bought out, it's it's an interesting proposition of how, how this can how this could actually change. I mean, don't don't. It's not it's not about selling computer chips anymore. No, you know that was one of the things Steve Jobs got. It's not about selling computer chips. It was about selling the lifestyle. The brand. Yeah, the brand, absolutely. All right, yeah. man, this was a really good chat. Yeah, always always good chatting with you. Looking forward to the next one. Um, yeah, it was a good good discussion. And, um, you know, here's a little homework. If anybody out there is using YouTube, YouTube Red, the music, the video services, let us know what you think. 
I think I'm going to give it a shot, mainly so I can keep my two-year-old daughter quiet and happy. Um, but if you're using it, let us know what you think. How is it? Is it, is it like Jay described? Is it a great streaming service that gives you this cool added benefit of ad-free videos on YouTube? Or the other way around. Or is it the other way around for you? Let us know. Let us know. Awesome. That's it. Till next week. Thanks, everyone.